one, two, test one, two. All right, there we go. Welcome to the Eric Andrews Lang Show. Today, guest is, uh, I mean, to say you wear many hats is almost too much of a, of a joke, right? I mean, being the, uh, the center of the fashion world. Hang on one second. The center of the golf fashion world. Right for how long now, Marty? How do you how do you introduce yourself to people who don't know who you are? They obviously know you have style. Yeah, Marty Hackle, everybody. Well, thank you. Uh, normally, what I try to explain is I'm sort of the style guy, and my goal in life is to help people look as good as they can look. So I'm not there to make fun of John Daly's pants. Or call out 30% of the Champions Tour because they're still wearing white belts. But it's to kind of get people, help people get in their comfort zone from a style standpoint. And uh, I guess, I mean, we could talk a lot about, well, I guess we can talk about how when you and I met. I mean, that was, I don't know if I remember the exact time we met, but I know that my, the big memory in my life has you in it. Ah, you were there when I found out I was playing Augusta. Exactly. You were right there in the back row of the of the Masters yeah. media tent. And and um, media tent is... Tent, that's yeah. Not media, media um, you know, Shangri-La. Probably the coolest media center. Certainly the coolest media center in golf. Yeah. But I would venture to say one of the cooler media centers ever, any place... Yeah, I haven't seen any from NFL or NBA or anything like that, but I mean, they, there's no way that they can top that. Yeah, no yeah, way, nothing. And for one event a year, I mean, we could talk about this forever. I've, uh, but but you're, but we're standing. I find out I'm going to play, and you and I, uh, sort of just shooting the breeze a little bit. Yeah. You tell me you've you've also had this honor yes. of playing Augusta the yes. Monday after the Masters. Tell me your story about that. Same sort of thing, you know. You're you're always shocked. When you get selected, you put your name into a lottery and you wait two or three days and then suddenly your name goes up on some sort of screen and everyone in the media center carefully looks at all of those names. And when you see yours up there, your heart drops a little bit because now you realize not only are you going to play, but you're about to have a memory that's going to be as rich in 10 years as it is the moment you experience it. And um, I, I will say that the club treats everyone who plays on Media Day in a sense, not like they're a member, but like they're way more than you're just a guest. You know, I've I've been fortunate. I've probably played almost every place. And and I want to tell you, and, and, and it's, it's a humble brag for sure, but somehow when you're at Augusta, they make you feel special. Now, yeah, they get a little sensitive about don't show up three hours before your appointed time and don't expect that you're going to hit 17 buckets of balls but notwithstanding that, I mean, I dressed in the upper locker room, uh, and I thought it was really pretty special. And of course, I found Arnold's locker, and that's the one that I wanted to, to use. And I made certain I had a change of clothes so I could actually take a shower there and, and get the full experience. And it was pouring rain. It was pouring rain? Yeah, pouring rain. <laughs> It was pouring rain. It was like, oops. And you know what? I didn't get wet. That's the funny thing. It was pouring rain, and I was dry as a bone. Now, yeah, this is not a testimonial for Galvin Green, although I did wear it, and it was great. It's, It's that somehow you're on a different level. And... Fortunately or unfortunately, I played with Brian Ketrick. Um, 
And I played unbelievably well on the front nine. I was probably two over. And at the time, I was a 12 handicap. And, of course, Brian's kind of walking up nine, and he's going, you're really a 12? Well, I didn't play that great in the back. But it was just a fabulous experience. And then every time I went on his radio program... He, of course, introduced me as a 12 handicap that was two over on the front nine wow. at Augusta. So you better check his card before <laughs> you tee it up with him. There you go. He said that to you on nine and then you blew up on the back? I didn't blow up on the back, but I made bad mental errors. I played 12 okay, but 13, I didn't give myself enough room in the layup. Mm. And at each hole, I, I made sort of the freshman mistake, right? even with a good caddy. And none of the other people that I played with had, had previously experienced playing there. So we were all as green as grass. And we had sort of caddies that were from the local area, not from the club. Right. Uh, well, I mean, technically. And... Uh, so they would help reading the putts. But, you know, I always feel if I can't at least try to read the putt, you know, I'm not committed to it. 100%. Yeah. So that was kind of my day, and it was it was a treasure. You said something that really stuck with me, the idea that you're about to have a memory that you're um, going to, you know, cherish, something like that. Yeah. Th- that is... Um, all too often not noticed, right? We, we sort of go in and I think, well, I guess, I guess there's a couple ways of looking at it. One is I, I, you go in and you, um, you, you may not put enough value on it. Like, like, like it's like, we sort of don't treasure the experience of living enough. Like, cause any moment could be that any moment could be potentially something really, really wonderful and magical that you could remember for the rest of your life on any golf course, you know, but you don't, but, but, but I think a lot of times we just kind of gloss over that. And one of my biggest, I guess, learnings in golf has been kind of, you know, it could happen anywhere at any time, you know, and I'm not talking about a hole in one necessarily or something like that. I'm just sort of saying like, I mean, but that's not exactly true, obviously what I'm saying, but, but it's the idea that, I don't know, that is it, why is you know why is that? It's like it's like it's, it's your imagination. It's what happens is I think as you grow to love this game, uh, in your mind, you experience this special thing about. <clears throat> excuse me about. Okay, I got to make this putt to go to the playoff, and your imagination starts to not take over. But it starts to kick in, and I think you you suddenly realize, maybe when you walk through the entrance of the club, maybe when you tee it up, for each person it's probably a little different, but something happens where you realize, this is live ammunition, and I'm actually the one who's experiencing this. I'm not hearing about it from someone else. I'm actually doing it. And I know it's always going to be special, no matter what happens. If I could quit, I, if I quit golf the next day, I'd remember it and cherish it just as much. And I've been blessed and fortunate to be able to play a number of other times there. So, but I don't remember them exactly like that. That first time. It sounds like a cliche, I guess. No, well, I think something else happens when you're, I mean, we can, we can dive off this subject in a second, but the idea of uh, playing there as the winner of the lottery, I think is almost, it's, it's almost more magical than sort of your friend of a friend of a friend says, what are you doing next weekend? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, hang on a second. I'm going to put him away. He's, Snowball is pacing. I'm not sure why. We're going we're gonna to put him away. Okay. Uh, so I'm curious to know about how... How does one get your job? Actually, hang on one second. 
it seems like there's really only one of your jobs in golf entirely. Is that, is that, I mean, there's probably a lot of people who work for golf companies, uh, brands, but there's only one Marty. How does that, how do you do that? Well, you know, once again, I, I, I was at the right place at the right time. Condi Nast purchased Golf Digest from the New York Times company. And the team at Condi Nast had more of a commitment sort of to, to how things were presented and how they looked. And I was fortunate to be able to have a conversation with Mitch Fox, who was the, the head guy there. And Mitch said, just give me your comments. Read, you go thumb through a bunch of issues and tell me what you think. Hmm. This is what year? This is... 2001. Okay. This is just before 9-11. Oh, wow. So, pretty, pretty dramatic time. Well, I sat down and I started to write some comments. And, of course, you know, it's one of those things where you go, boy, I, you know, where do I begin and after about 10 pages, I realized that I kept repeating myself in, in my comments. And they really started to take on sort of a trend that I was always fascinated about the instruction. And that was informative. But I was always noticing that, you know, that's a sort of a heavier, a bigger guy. He shouldn't be having shouldn't be selecting those kinds of things to wear. Those colors, those styles, and my background had been retail um, and men's fashion uh, for a long time. So I was kind of used to looking at people, looking at product, evaluating it, and making the right combinations. So I made this huge report and... Mitch called me and said, well, it's very interesting, but the key thing is probably going to be how you get along with uh, edit the other editors at the magazine. And we're probably going to create something that's never been done before. You're going to be the fashion director, theoretically, um, you know, for this publication. And when I first was lucky enough to get that job, a number of people in the industry, I remember exactly who they were. I remember exactly when they said it. And they all said things like, what? Fashion? Golf? You've got to be kidding me. Seriously? You need a fashion director? Well, some of those people now uh, kind of re eating those words because... <laughs> You know, I mean, there is a, you know, there's a, there's a fun aspect to it. It's it's one of the coolest jobs in the world because you're doing, I was doing something that I loved and I couldn't wait to, couldn't work out in the morning because I couldn't wait to get to work, you know, and then you know, I was staying later and later and and it does start to consume you a little bit. But that's probably a wonderful thing, that you're doing something that you, you can't wait to get to work. You can't wait to interact with people. In the first two years, I think every tour player reacted the same way. Oh, there's that style guy again. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> God. Hey, this is the only thing I have that's clean. Whoa. You know. Interesting. And so, after a while... They got to know me, I got to know them, and uh, we had a great time. Well, so you, you, um, are, there, there wasn't much of a uh, space for that at the time. You're, you're basically the first one out there, and you're um, talking about things that people in, why is golf not, why, why did they not care at the time? Because now it seems like they're beginning to care about how yeah, there's a much, much bigger awareness today yeah. than there was 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, 
probably because of the fact that we have these big high def TVs and we really <laughs> see, you know, dramatically we see people and you know, there are a number of golfers that put themselves together well. Yeah. And some of it, you know, they just they've acquired that sort of ability to do it, Ricky Fowler. Yeah. Um and some of them have learned a couple of the formulas that work well. Phil Mickelson dressing in all one color to keep himself or his image of himself slightly slimmer than he actually is. Or Dustin Johnson, who generally wears his Adidas clothes on the sort of tonal side. So if he's got blue pants, he's probably got some shade of blue in the shirt. And, you know, he, he just... He's in great shape, number one. Yeah. He's got huge talent, number two. And number three, um, he wears clothes really well. He understands clothes really well. And people are always shocked when I say, he's, he would be, he's, I can tell you, he's a cool guy to get stuck at the airport, you know, <laughs> for an hour and a half. Right. And people go, are you kidding? Dustin Johnson? And I go... Yeah, he knows a lot about fashion. He's got really good tastes. He's got a bunch of varied interests. And, you know, you can spend a very enjoyable hour chatting with him. And people go, oh, geez, now I never knew that. He's, he's got an extensive shoe collection, uh, sneakers. Uh, yes, he has an unbelievable sneaker collection. And the last couple of times we did a cover shoot with him, I... I kept saying, David Winkle, who's his agent, uh, hey, David, just remind Dustin that I've got a new pair of shoes that I want to share with him that I got from Adidas uh, two weeks ago, and they happen to be in his size. You know that Dustin was never late to any of those shoots. <laughs> he was right there and he would walk right in and he'd make a beeline for me. Okay, what do you got? So we, we had a lot of fun with that. So you're, uh, so you're heading out uh, in the early 2000s and you've got a job where people are raising their eyebrows. Are, are you at any point like, um, I mean, you don't have a chip on your shoulder. You're not that kind of guy, but... Are you at any point, do you, do you sort of have something to prove at this point? Are you, are you at all um, obsessed with some certain um, mission? What are you, are, what are you, what's the mission? What are you trying to do at this time? I'm trying to feel my way. And you know what? It's not even with players. It's not exclusively with players or with agents. It's also with the people that I'm working with. Because no one's ever had this job. Mm. So it, it's kind of all, you know, fresh snow. And I'm making the first tracks. Now, that's always cool, isn't it? And I had a it's great... It's also very difficult. Well, you don't know exactly what you're going to run into. So you've got to be pretty open-minded. And I was lucky, you know, Matt Janella started pretty much the same week that I did. He had the office next to me. Um, he was our photo editor. He was also brand new. So, you know, we could, we shared a lot of stuff together and, you know, developed a, a great working friendship and, and Matt's a great guy. So, you know, I, there was, there was a lot of internal support, you know, that I was lucky enough to get. And the manufacturers started to realize hey, you know what? This can help us. We got to help this guy because he's only going to make us look better. So I think the manufacturers got that first. So uh, I would meet people like Amy Reynolds, who was really the gal at Nike that coordinated what Tiger was going to wear. Hmm. You look at Tiger from the early 2000s and you look at him today. I mean, it is beyond night and day as to how he's putting himself together. And, uh, you know, and he looks terrific today. But how much of that is a product of, you know, him making decisions versus 
generally speaking, fashion sort of becoming more important. And also, generally speaking, just the general style has gotten, has changed so much. Not, you know, tighter, better fits. Yeah, awareness. The awareness of style is now sort of, I mean, yeah, people remembered what those black and white check pants that Johnny Miller wore, you know, at Oakmont. Um, but now... I think a lot more people are aware of how players look. What um, when when you when you think about golf, right? It's it's a it's a wonderful canvas for fashion. It's the only it's one of the only sports where you can actually wear almost whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, think about it. How many other sports can you do that? You have to wear white when you're at Wimbledon. Uh, Pretty much every other sport has a uniform. Mm-hmm. And outside of the fact that you have to wear long pants, there really aren't a lot of guidelines. Okay, you have to sort of have to tuck your shirt in. You know, the, the folks at Puma and Ricky were very careful uh, earlier in the year when he wore that shirt untucked that they checked with the tour. Before he did that, amazing because they it, they didn't want he didn't want to show up dressed like that and have someone come over to him and go, uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> "Sir, Mister Fowler, you're gonna have to. Could we have a little chat?" <laughs> so you know, and he didn't get fined. No, he didn't get fined. They said it was okay. Wow. And a puma so so let stuff out in one day. I'm sure. Well, I know Michelle Wee breaks the rules, and she gets fined. Yeah. Different? Mm, well, we have a different standard for men and for women. And when a guy dresses with maybe a little extra color or a little extra flair, we sort of think, hey, that guy's got some style. When we see a great athlete like Michelle Wee... Um, you know, perhaps wearing, perhaps being slightly ahead of the trend and and wearing what today, I don't know, we call it maybe yoga stuff or athleisure or something like that. And, you know, she's a beautiful gal and there's a little bit more of a sort of a jealousy. Mm. There's a little bit more of a, it's more noticeable. So... Yeah, I think there's a there's kind of a double standard there. Yeah, that's that's too bad. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but thank God we have Michelle Wees that want to have a little fun with it. Yeah. And uh and they do. Talking about the um the double standard, I mean, one of the most difficult parts of golf for me has been uh bringing a woman to the golf course. Uh well, Wilshire's a good example. Um, bringing them over to my former country club that has strict dress code and literally not knowing what a woman can wear. Like literally just there's, there's measurements involved. There's, um, you know, it's a, if it, if it has a collar, it has to, it can't have sleeves. If it has sleeves, it can't, I don't know. I mean, just so confusing and, and ultimately very confusing for them. Yeah. Let's hope that that evolves into something that's way more user-friendly, that's way more welcoming. Uh, because golf is one of the great sports that you can share with, with, with people your age, with younger people, with older people, with your kids, with your wife. I mean, I mean that's one of the other things that makes it a pretty unique sport. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, I think that's probably... The best part about it. And then as well, you've got this travel aspect, which I love. How have you experienced, um, you know, you're looking at the game of golf. Obviously, you're looking at, you know, courses and cultures and things like that. How does, how does um, you know, your um, focus on, on how we dress, how does that get informed as you travel throughout different cultures? Oh, gosh. You know, you're always learning stuff no matter where you go or what you do. And, and it's usually in the, in the strangest places you see things and you go, you know, 
That's that's pretty effective. And maybe it's a caddy at a club that, uh, you know, doesn't have the ability to have a huge wardrobe. And yet they know pretty much exactly what they've got to wear to do their job. And they put it together very effectively. And, and you sort of acquire that. So you build up this, this history, this inventory of how people put themselves together. Oh, that's in my DNA. That's something that I take in. That's not something perhaps that other people, it's, it's, you know, we filter things a little differently based on our interests and experience and our jobs. Mm. So I've just been fortunate to, um, to always be in a visual sort of business. And I think that's, that's what fashion is. It's, it's right there in front of you. Uh, I want, there's so many more things I want to dig into. We're going to take a quick break. Everybody stay tuned. All right, folks. You know my favorite golf shoe, don't you? I think you do. It's three-stripe life, y'all, and that means Adidas. Um, and so anyway, I just wanted to tell you that when I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Tour 360, obviously, and uh, they've made a huge update to the Tour 360, and uh, the two letters that it's concerned with are the letters X and T, okay? The Tour 360 XT changes the game, okay? It's lighter, so your feet feel even better after a round. By the way, a light golf shoe is what I'm all about. A heavy, there are some other companies making heavy golf shoes, and I'm just like, by the way, I weigh enough. There's enough going on. I'm carrying a golf bag. I'm carrying my team. Um... Tour XT changes the game. It's lighter, so your feet feel even better after a round, and it still features that boost, y'all. Do you know where boost comes from? It And boost is cool because it only comes in black and white. I don't know if you noticed that. And actually, they the guy who made boost like was going to bring it to some other, you know, they, they were shopping it around, and everyone else said no. Adidas was like, I'll take that boost, even though it's only black and white. And what did Adidas do with it? They made it awesome. I'm looking at boost right now on my feet boost on my feet uh and it has an x-shaped traction system that gives you insane stability literally it's not sane it's literally crazy your feet will literally be like i'm crazy best part it comes in spikeless Ooh, that's tight the first spikeless ever in the history of the tour 360 crazy comfortable and perfect for the course get your pair at adidas.com thank me later follow adidas golf for all the latest and greatest that's all true statements right there check it out go support adidas because they're a good company good people i like it Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. Um, one of the interesting things about fashion and golf is that I think – it, it, like we said, I mean, it's it's a great sport to, um, you know, you can wear whatever you want, more or less. But I think one of the other interesting things about fashion and golf is it, it's so funny that it's tremendously overlooked, but yet it takes up 10 to 20, 30% of the screen or the photo all the time. And we don't really realize that we're, we're, we're making decisions, right? I mean, obviously I'm talking about professionals, but even as amateurs, I mean, we go out and... You know, we emulate those pros no matter what. You can't help it, more or less, uh, save for maybe 10% of the golfers out there. But anyway, we, we watch it. It takes up so much of the screen, and it takes up so much of the story. As you go through, I mean, you must have, obviously, if you ask someone about golf fashion, what's the first thing they're going to say? Red shirt. Yeah. I mean, gosh, look what, look what Tiger has done just he, for that. He made I mean, a color. Into uh, a, a story, a signature, a signature, a signature. Tell me, you must have. I'm, I, I've, I'm sure that you've had a lot of time to think about these things, whether it's Arnold Palmer or Jack Nicklaus or whatever it is. So many great icons of style and golf over the years. What, what, what? How do you, how do you pontificate on that interesting element that, like, I feel like really goes overlooked a lot. Well, you know, sometimes I have the opportunity, like today, to share some of those stories and that and the, and that's kind of special um, hang on snowball is uh, probably gonna go kill somebody hang on <laughs> <laughs> I, this is gonna be good hang on 
All right, snowball has been contained. Marty, go. Amen. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there, I've been fortunate to have so many great experiences. And with, with people that we, that we see all the time. I mean, I would tell you that every photo shoot I've ever been on with Arnold Palmer, and there's not been like, it's not like we shoot with Arnold Palmer once a week or once a month. But every single time you had the good fortune to be able to interact with him, it became memorable. And uh, I remember one time we were shooting for uh, an offshoot of Golf Digest called Golf Digest Index. And uh, my story idea with our art director was let's look at some of the classic golfers and let's dress them in suits and let's see how they look in suits. So we got Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, Gary Player, Nick Faldo, Greg Norman, Nick Price. And I went out and found clothes for each of them, uh, primarily suits. And we, we brought that to the shoot. We had a tailor with us at each individual shoot. And Art Stryber was the photographer who was really saved us there. He was brilliant. Um, and when the subject came in, we said, Mr. Nicholas, this is what we've selected. I hope this is okay. I, I always brought a couple of different choices. Well, with Arnold, you know, he was... You want me to wear that? And I said, well, just trust me on this, but do me a favor, take your pants off. What? What did you just say? Mr. Palmer, you've got to, I, you've got to try these pants on because I have to alter the length of them. So the, the quicker we figure that out, the faster our seamstress can go and we can get the shoot underway. And, you know, he was standing there with his hands on his hips like, you really want me to take my pants off? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's kind of one of my fondest memories of Arnold. But, but everyone was like, um, had their own little story. Jack didn't like my selection of neckwear. So we said, you know, I, I don't live that that far from here. Let's, I'm going to go back to the house. You're coming with me. We're going to go and pick out a tie. And I said, Mr. Nicholas, I'm only doing that if Barbara Nicholas is at the house. Please call her. I don't want to be seen sort of going into your closet with you. So <laughs> he got a big laugh out of that. We went to the house. We found an Ohio State tie. Right. He was very, very excited to wear that. And case closed. Art did the shoot. Jack looked great. We had we had fun with it. It's interesting you say that, you know, he in that particular story he ended up picking an Ohio State tie. I mean, how much of fashion do you see as I mean, storytelling? Oh gosh, a ton of it. A ton of it. And I think when the stories are interesting, it it resonates a lot better. Uh, it's kind of like you see it when it's good, you see it when it's effective, and maybe you see it at the total other extreme when it's not working, but there's all of this other area in the middle where it almost it almost goes unnoticed. Mm. And and so um, when you're what's your favorite pro shop by? What do you, what do you look for in a pro shop? Well, what I want to look for is I want to, I want to look for one thing, and I don't know what that one thing is, but I, I, I try to go in and, and just see what hits me. And what happens is, in most pro shops, they have too big an assortment. They try to give you too many choices, so you can never make up your mind. And I like... Golf shops where they, they've edited the product, they've selected the range of products that they're carrying carefully, 
and they present them with sort of an effortless sort of attitude. Mm. Uh, Loch Lomond uh, is one of my favorite golf shops, and it's a tiny shop, and I love small golf shops because I think they have character, and I think it's, it's, uh, it's much more fun to go into a place where the selection is a little bit limited, but the presentation is fabulous. There are there are plenty of good ones. You know, tournaments going on at Riviera right now. Mm. And Barbara Dawes, who's who's run that job for years and, and retired a year or two ago, Barbara did a fabulous job there. And, you know, the club was smart enough to to let her do her thing. They even sold jeans there Whoa. in that shop. They they didn't let people wear jeans pl- to play. Like denim? Like denim. Wow. Why so, would they sell something you can't wear on the course? Well, because basically my rule of thumb is always wear what you're comfortable with, wear what you enjoy. Uh, it doesn't have to be a uniform. Uh, a pack, golf apparel is not equipment. Mm. So you, you've got to... A lot of people don't think that. Yeah, you've got to be... Maybe footwear is to a point, but you've got to be comfortable with what you're wearing. And I think Barbara recognized that a lot of people who would come into her shop would be buying not just for what they were going to wear in a golf course, but something that had great style that they could live in. Mm. So I, I think she took a bigger picture view... And I think she made it successful. So um, when you, what are some of the favorite things that you own, that, that you play golf in? You know, I have one Beedraddy shirt. They make a good shirt, actually. Yeah, they do. Someone gave me one at an event once, and it's got this ugly logo on the shoulder, but I still wear it. It's a really nice shirt. Yeah, I, and I think, th- I don't know about you, but I know the reason why I love it is it's it's comfortable. It's familiar. And I don't just wear it on the golf course. Mm-hmm. Jeez, I'm in that shirt all the time. And I probably have, I don't know, 50 golf, 60 golf shirts. I would say that's it? Well, I probably have a few more in storage. Oh, my gosh. I hope my daughter's not listening to this. <laughs> and... You know, I end up wearing the same thing, not all the time, but almost all the time, because it's incredibly comfortable mm. and it feels good. Now, Bedraddy's moving with the times. They even have created a, a range called Bedraddy Sport, mm. which is kind of using technical polyester um, that's breathable, that looks great. That's very packable, easy to travel with. And there are, there are a ton of good brands out there. Boy, Ralph Lauren, that stuff looks terrific. And RLX, I think Justin Thomas, Billy Horschel, always look great. Grayson, that's a new brand. That stuff is modern and got just the right mix of tech. You know, and I think that looks great. Charlie Schaefer is the the guy that's created that, and, you know, that's a sweet line. They, you know, we're pretty lucky right now, knock on wood. There, there are a number of cool companies out there that are doing unique things. Look at Puma. Look at Ricky. Mm. He, he got us really aware of the color orange, <laughs> number one. Um you know, and pretty predictable that he's going to have it on on Sunday, just like Tiger has the red. Look at what Ricky did with the flat-brimmed cap. Look at what Ricky did with the jogger pants. Look what Ricky did with the high tops. Ricky is golf's version of Massimo Giannulli, who has a line called G4, and... He's probably the most talented golf apparel footwear designer on the globe. Wow. Because 
Every time I walk into his booth at a golf show or his office and look at what he's designing or got on the wall, you know, you, you just smile because it's kind of cool and it's, it's wearable. It's, it's fun. Um, you know, and it's, it's definitely a point of view. When you, uh, I mean, there are so many, uh, so many brands out there right now, you know, and um, do, they're, they're, they're all pretty expensive, though. Do you have any thoughts on, um, you know, because ultimately a lot of us, golf is expensive as it is. A golf outfit, you know, we don't, not a lot of people are walking around with 19 different golf outfits or sort of disposable shirts, I think. You know, I'm curious to know, when, when you're getting into golf early on, do you have any ways of looking at how best to kind of approach the problem, which is what do I wear on the golf course for a beginner? Do you have any thoughts on that? Because because for me, the interesting story is thrift store. That was the answer. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. it was a bad answer on some levels because golf clothes for the years leading up to when I got into golf, early 2000s, late 90s, they, they were, uh, there were garbage bags that fit better. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just so baggy. Well, yeah, because... When you were when you were falling in love with the game, if you will, that was the look that there was this perception that if you wore something that was two sizes too big, you'd look smaller, you'd look like you were working out, you'd look more athletic. Well, you know what? Clothes don't make you look thinner and more athletic. Workouts and training makes you look that way, and diets help you. So you got to have a little discipline. But I think the key thing is, one, don't think of it as golf apparel. And it worries me when you say it's expensive. Uh, Golf apparel is expensive because you're thinking of it as golf apparel. You've got to think of it as comfortable clothes that you can wear, not just on the golf course. So one of my rules of thumb is don't buy stuff that you only wear on a golf course. Mm. Buy stuff that you enjoy wearing, period. And when you do that, now you're, they become, it's more familiar. You're, you're using it in a variety of, of uh, situations, if you will, and you're getting more use out of it. You know, people always, I, they say to me, well, you know, I need good rainwear, but it's so expensive. And I go, yeah, you know that juice? And Galvin Green, very expensive. They use technical materials like Gore-Tex fabric and Gore-Tex tape and glue. And, and it's expensive to make those garments. And, and people are thinking, yeah, and I, you know, I go to Scotland maybe once every four years. And that's where I'll play when it's pouring rain. And I go, wait a second. Don't you have a... A little pop snowball? Don't you go and walk with snowball every day? And inevitably they say, oh yeah, absolutely. I say, does it ever rain when you're having a walk with snowball? And suddenly the light goes off and they go, oh geez, I should keep it in my closet. I could get so much more use out of it. Voila. So now you've got maybe a medium expensive product but you can wear it on the golf course off the golf course make it part of your lifestyle yeah it's interesting i mean i'm more of like a three-quarter length raincoat kind of guy which you can't really golf in but so it's it's funny that i do have a lot of favorite items of clothing in my normal life that I wish just had that little bit of flexibility if for the golf course, you know, cause it is an unusual move, you know, to play golf with, but th- it is exciting to, to see more crossover and to hear you say that that's probably your first, um, you know, consideration. The second consideration is if you have to stand in front of a mirror for longer than 20 seconds, looking at what you're wearing, just go change. Whoa. Just go change. Because as soon as you have an element of doubt, <laughs> somehow that comes out. It always does. I know as a discipline 
no matter what I do, no matter where I go, I always try to take that extra second to make sure that what I'm wearing fits. What, um, what, uh, oh, I had a really good question. Uh, oh yeah. How often do you wear the same outfit? Uh, I like to rotate around. I generally wear the same things. Everyone sort of thinks I have a million pair of red trousers and I buy every red trouser that <laughs> Sid Mashburn makes. Uh, and that's true, by the way. Uh, but I have my favorite sort of colors that I'm comfortable in. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that I always tell people is when they're traveling, pick out one color. Use, a th- use that color as your theme. And then let everything work on it. This week, uh, I knew I was probably going to get a chance to play golf one afternoon. Um, And everything that I packed uh, that was golf-related was blue. Um. Or something that worked with blue. You know, that's why if you go on the range, if you turn on the TV set to the next tournament, I'll guarantee you'll see lots of players in blue, you'll also see lots of players in white. And the reason why you'll see them in white, particularly in footwear, is that white works with almost everything. Now, with all due deference to your mom, you don't have to match your belt to your shoes. (laughs) I don't know where they came up with that anyway. This is not like a handbag thing. And, you know, like Tiger's the worst offender. Tiger has the shoe, the belt, and the hat all matching. Um, so, you know, you, you, you have to have some flexibility with how you put yourself together. But if you pack with one color, then you don't have outfits. You just have an assortment of things that you can throw on and make different combinations. Right. So I think it's a lot easier to travel like that. And it's a lot simpler. And uh, I have my favorite things. And my favorite things are usually the things that fit really good. It's Mm. not even so much that they look okay. It's that they fit great. And, And then I'm comfortable in what I'm wearing. And I think that's, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Have you ever talked with Tiger about his uh, his clothing choices? Oh, geez, I remember the first time I had a conversation with him about pleated trousers. You're not a fan, huh? Well, I wasn't a fan of Tiger wearing something that was three sizes too big. <laughs> um, and eventually he got the message. And he started wearing flat, you know, he thought his thighs were too big and it was going to show the wrong stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there about clothes. And and one of the the points of misinformation is is really pleats. And, And when you wear, if you're a bigger person, why add fabric? Right. Now, if you're an athletic person and you you look like you're in great shape, why not select clothes that accommodate that? And boy, I think Tiger looks like a million bucks now um, because I think he wears clothes that fit. You know, he wears a size, I don't know if we should say this, but he is a small what? Shirts. He he doesn't like a lot of excess fabric in his shirts. Look at look at Brooks. Wow. Look at Kafka. When you see him, boy, you, you think, man, there's an athlete. Look at Dustin Johnson. Right. He looks great. The stuff fits him. It, it it looks like it all works. Um, so yeah, I mean I've had, you know, lots of discussions with with lots of, of players. And usually it starts when we do a photo shoot and I have a chance to interact with them and they, and they start to realize that I am just trying to help them. Sure. What, um, it, so, so when you're, when you're, um, 
you, you obviously can't change someone's look overall. You, you don't get that opportunity, I think, um, at least when you're, you know, facing amateurs, right? You, you can't, no one's going to just say, okay, I'm, I'm literally throwing everything away and I'm starting over. Um, what do you think is the most important part of the golf outfit? Or, or maybe in, in, in lieu of that as well, what do you think is the thing that's most commonly done wrong? Fit. Fit. Yeah, I think people make a huge mistake with fit. And they generally wear things that don't... When, when people make mistakes, oftentimes it's because they haven't selected the right size for whatever reason. Now, you know, we're, we're beating up on Tiger a little bit. But, you know, Earl was not, you know, the guy that went in and bought a dozen shirts for his son, Tiger... Earl was the guy like, hey, I got these old shirts. You're just going to have to wear them. We're not going to spend a fortune buying shirts. So Tiger started wearing stuff that was oversized, but it was it became familiar. So when it becomes something that it's familiar, you're then comfortable in it. And it, it took a little while for him to realize, hey, I could be just as comfortable in something that, that fits properly. That's so interesting. I never realized they were hand-me-downs. Oh, yeah. I think a lot in the beginning. That's, that, so that's cool. what, you know, I mean, but that was Earl, yeah. you know? I mean. <clears throat> that's so crazy. Oh, yeah. And now, I mean, he's he's got his own look. I mean, yeah. yeah, he looks good. I mean, it fits well. I think that's the point is simple, right? He, he, he keeps it real simple. Yeah. And it's all about fit. I've noticed that a lot of people will... Um, ask who made something on my you know if i if i wear something they'll ask who made it when it fits well it's not even so much that it's an interesting shirt it's that it fit me well yeah and a lot of the times with unfortunately with with um pants and stuff it's like they need to be tailored and that's not i'm not even an unusual size or shape it's just they it's like the matter of an inch makes a big difference yeah i would say that 93 or maybe 94 percent of the golfers out there wear trousers that are too long Mm. This slit on the size of the oh, that was on the side of the trousers. I mean, that is the biggest mistake that everyone makes. When that was originally designed, that was a something that was only done with sort of bespoke or custom made trousers, and it was done to facilitate a look where the the front part of your trouser sort of rested or kissed the top of your shoe and the rear part of your trouser was angled a little bit more and was a little bit longer than the front and that was done so that it it fit nicely over your shoe well look at all of those slip pants now it's the same length and the front is in the back so they've started out with a mistake and I don't know how it's gotten this popular, it, it, but everyone seems to think, ah, you know, that's, that's a good look. To me, it's a limiting look. And to me, when it doesn't fit properly, it looks even worse. And there's nothing in my mind perhaps worse than a clump of trousers sitting on top of your shoes when you, the camera goes in and you see them putting. Yeah. So... You know, I, I mean, I just go look at Adam Scott. You know, <laughs> everything that he wears fits. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. And you know what? You could take $100 into Uniglo, which is the brand that he wears. You could buy a copy of his outfit, if you will, pant, belt, shirt, and you'd get change for $100. Change for $100. So it's not about how much you spend, it's how you spend it. I do really like Uniqlo. I, I, I don't, I'm hard pressed to spend a lot of money on clothes. I don't really like it. I, you know, you go to these stores in Hollywood, golf shirt or, or collared shirt, two ninety five, And I'm like, no way is that worth it. No way. And I mean, I'm ascribing the value, but I can get a, uh, a $10 shirt and just no, no, no one's going to notice. So if no one's going to notice, why would I spend that money? Uh, because sometimes, you know, it's, it's kind of like watches, right? Ooh. You know, I mean, 
That? Yeah, you're right. You, you do, know, my you just, I, I happen you to have on a watch Let's that's see. that's that's four hundred dollars, <laughs> and you happen to have Apple on watch. a Rolex. Uh, it's a it's a Tudor. Okay, it's Tudor, a Tudor. There you go, and it's it's a beauty. And you know what? This is shocking, but both of these timepieces. Yours, a couple of thousand dollars more expensive than mine, around the same time. <laughs> so sometimes it's, it's not just about, you know, the accuracy of time or the accuracy or the, or the, or the style or the look. I mean, it, it's a way of expressing yourself. What are you driving these days? You know, think about it like that. This is not like a refrigerator. This is, you know, you, there are lots of choices there. So your personality can, you know, you can just let yourself go a little bit. And if you're nervous or, you know, you think two ninety five is too expensive, for sure, I could almost guarantee you, you won't be comfortable in it. Mm. If you look at the shirt and go, man, that is really cool. Then what I say is, Buy really great quality and enjoy it, um, and it will last and give you that much more pleasure. Uh, if, if you're listening, <clears throat> obviously you can't see the interactions happening here, but I, uh, I, I don't know if I've ever seen you quite smile that way of delivering a... Uh, just uh, an inc- I mean, if we, were in a law, if we were in a court of law, the case closed. You won. Yeah. That was really well You're done. You're a witness. Yeah, yeah, you really, you really... Uh... You want the truth. <laughs> it was interesting because, I mean, you know, you, I think that's the great thing about when we look at metaphors and things like that. It immediately, the, the logic or the fallacy that we've been subscribing to for so long immediately becomes clear. And you're totally right. I mean, you know, what what is, um, you know, we, we, we spend money on things... Um, why do we spend money on things? What, what did you just say? You didn't what, tell me the, God, the second sometimes part. Sometimes it gives you. Sometimes you spend money on things, whether it's wine, or food, or the shoes that you're wearing, because they give you something back. They give you a level of enjoyment. They give you a level of, with respect to clothes, maybe comfort. With respect to food, maybe adventurous taste maybe it just you know it's fun to 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 experience different cuisines and you know that's so you know everyone's got a slightly different sort of taste level and that's what makes it all work probably uh you brought up watches and i'm glad you did because i wanted to talk to you about it um you're obviously i saw i was i've kind of got a bit starstruck when you were standing there with uh, what's the name of the guy from hodinky Ben Clymer. You're in yeah. there. You're in on yeah. Instagram with Ben, ben Clymer. And Jack and Foster. Yeah. I mean, the, all of those guys are great. Steve and these the are whole the, crew there. These are the uh, the four horsemen of watch culture, watch fashion, I guess, horology. Yeah. Hodinky is one of the best websites um, that discusses this whole subject of horology. I mean, when you think great watches and... And the stories behind these wonderful timepieces. I mean, Hodinkee is is the is a really cool website. Just go there and and you know and check it out. And watches are kind of interesting because they give you a license to sort of express yourself a little bit, particularly with tour players. You know, Bubba Watson wears Richard Neal. Richard Mille is a great, very expensive, very technical watch. They only endorse or they only do endorsement deals, if you will, with players that will wear their product while they're performing their sport. So you've got Bubba. You'll always see Bubba, you know, with the 084 Richard Mille watch. You'll always see Rafa Nadal with that watch. Felipe Massa, who used to be a Formula One driver, retired now, wore his Richard Mille. And one time, 
uh, we had some fun with this. He, he pulled up on his phone a picture of him on a stretcher with his arm extended. And he said, see, I even had my watch on <laughs> when I was racing in Formula One. So, you know, that's how Richard Meal rolls. But there's a lot of fun things with with watches. Uh, look at how important uh, brands like Omega and Rolex are to golf. I mean, they've made a big commitment to that sport, and we're lucky that we have them there. You know, I think um, what kind of what what's what's your watch collection? I mean, you have a Apple Watch right now, but that's not your that's not your main timepiece. Yeah, I've got. Um, I've got a, it's not a huge collection. I've got my favorites. Um, I generally sort of go in cycles where I'll wear, you know, this particular Audemars watch all the time because, you know, I feel good when I have it on. It's got nothing to do, in my mind, with telling time. It's... It's a way of expressing myself. So, you know, I can't afford to wear what Bubba's wearing. Those reshared meals go up to a million. They probably start out at 75000 And that's, you have to have a pretty significant income <laughs> to be wearing stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I think watches are interesting because on some level, yeah, it is just jewelry. Yeah, but think about it. Um, it's one of the, well, to me, it's a lot like the automobile you're driving. Hmm. You've got a lot of choices out there. You can spend a little bit of money, a lot of money. It's probably all going to get you down to the corner to get a quart of milk. But sometimes you want to go and you want to enjoy it in a different way. It's about, it's about the ride, not the destination. So... Yeah, so then I think in some level we can kind of go to the last thing I want to talk about, which is uh, look good, feel good. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is the thing. You know, if you have to stand in front of the mirror, just change, just go. You know, I mean, yeah, you can check and make sure everything looks okay, but as soon as you start overthinking it, you're probably losing your confidence. And you probably should go change into something that's more comfortable. It probably is something that's going to fit you a little bit better. And you're going to be less conscious of it. Mm. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. How did you, uh, how did you get dressed this morning? Uh, what did, did you have a thought process? No. I mean, I don't. I don't wake up in the morning and go... You know what? I'm wearing green pants today, and I'm going to wear a green belt from House of Fleming with that. I want to have my fairway and green red shirt, and I'm going to make a real statement with red and green. I'm going to look like a Christmas display. That doesn't happen. I just, you know, gravitate towards what's comfortable and appropriate for what I'm about to do. Mm. I happen to wear a tie. Almost all of the time, uh, because I grew up putting a tie on every single day. For those listening, he's wearing a tie, but it's a crochet tie with... Um, Knitted tie, yep. Is that is that a uh, Jolly Roger or is that an octopus? Yeah. Is it, is it skull and crossbones on his, hey, on his knit tie. Don't mess with me. <laughs> right, yeah. And, you got, and these are uh, uh, tortoise shell uh, glasses. Yeah, now, these are... Really, I mean, this is really are cool. Garrett's? These are, yeah, Garrett lights. They're great. Uh, they're new. Uh, I'm actually here on the West Coast working with Garrett and his team to create or to help sort of pull together uh, some great eyewear uh, that'll work on the golf course and off the golf course. So 
you know, I'm wearing the product. I'm really trying to understand it. And the only problem you have over there, Caroline, is there are too many choices. <laughs> you know, I mean, I could pick out 10 great, great glasses. And, you know, his dad was Oliver Peoples. Yeah. So he grew up, you know, within this in this sort of eyewear. Yeah, I've got a pair. I got two pair. Huh. I there you one. go. I could tell they were I could tell you were wearing them because of the uh dot on the uh left um ear bar or whatever you want to wow. call it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I love these. I love these. Um I think eyewear is great. I mean, you know, like I've always I've always been a fan of sunglasses. Um I don't need a prescription unless I'm trying to read my cell phone, sadly. Um but you know, I uh I were on the golf course, it probably also has sort of become some type of, uh, you know, uh, sun shield slash welding mask, unfortunately. Hey, listen, your eyes are the easiest thing to damage. Oh, okay. And the hardest thing to repair. You've got to protect your eyes. I'm amazed at how many people go and spend four, five hours outdoors in the bright sun and with that UV and they're not protecting their eyes. Yeah. You know, that short, pardon the pun, that short-sighted. You've, you really, you know, you really got to be more sun smart. And whether it's, you know, putting something protective on your skin, wearing the proper glasses so that you can have the proper kinds of, of protection... Boy, you know, one of these tour players, they're, they're on the golf course, what, six, seven days mm. a week? They're in the sun all the time. They, they should be more responsible with protecting their eyes. Yeah. And you also can make a fashion statement mm. doing it. And it's kind of a cool way to make a fashion statement. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, remember Papillon? You know, remember, you, you can remember sort of the main character and the eyewear. It's kind of interesting when you think about it. Clark Gable, I mean, uh, Gary Grant. I mean, there are, there are a lot of people that, you know, that, that have distinctive eyewear, wore distinctive eyewear. Mm. Well, geez, you know, it's been a great conversation. I look forward to spending time with you when we can get into the visual aspects of this, um, you know, and talking, you know, so many things we described that I think, you know, while I hope people get a lot out of this conversation, I, I do want to make some type of, um, you know, I, I kind of want to just go through your closet <laughs> with, with Barbara Nicholas. Well, you know, we could have a lot of fun doing that. And I think that's maybe the key message here is have some fun. Don't take it quite so seriously. Wear stuff that fits you, that's comfortable, you know, and, and enjoy it a little bit. Yeah. So let's go shopping. Oh, I, I do love shopping, actually. It's fun. <laughs> I don't like spending money, but I like going shopping. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. Thanks for your time, Marty Hackle, everybody. Check them out. I'm going to put all your links down below. And... Um, yeah, let's get, let's, I was going to say let's get dressed, but I would denote that we're not dressed. <laughs> there you go.